I want you to just commit yourself unto God this morning and say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to your Holy Spirit. Take over my life and by your own power put my life in order. Whether I like it or not, I surrender. And I'm saying by your own power put my life in divine order this morning. Can we pray to God together? Before we go to listen to the word of God, can we pray together? I surrender to you. I surrender my life. I surrender my ministry. I surrender everything unto you. I surrender by your power. Put my life in order. I don't know why um, the Lord is leading me in this direction but I think there are some arguments that need to end there are some strivings that need to stop there are some contendings with God that needs to come to an end you can't be greater than the God who created you and you can never know better than the God who created you the best of your wisdom does not even measure up to the foolishness of God if God will ever be foolish. And so I, 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 I don't know, but there are hearts that need to yield this morning. And I, I, I just hope, and please listen very well, I just hope that you will take advantage of what the Spirit of God is doing here and now and yield. Somebody say yield. And yield. I don't know what you are struggling with. I don't know what God is saying to do and um, something else that you are wanting to do. But this morning, there must be yielding. You must yield. Hey, I love you. I want to keep seeing you. You must yield. I'm speaking in parables now. And those who are wise will understand what I'm saying. I love you and I want to keep seeing you. But you must yield. You must yield. You must yield. You must yield. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord.
Don't just sing it at a song, mean it from your heart. Let it become your pledge, your prayer to God this morning. to me, wherever you are watching, wherever you are hearing the sound of my voice, anywhere in the world where you are hearing me right now, I'd like you to take this moment and do what the Spirit is saying. I plead with you to hear what the Spirit said to the church. I plead with you. I plead with you. I don't know, I didn't plan to come this way, but I don't know for whose sake I'm having to go this route. This is a very solemn moment. Enough of argument with God. Your best reasons are foolishness to Him. Your best reasons are foolishness to Him. They are never tenable. They are never tenable. They are never tenable. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. talk to the Lord for the next one minute or two just talk to the Lord I don't know what God is ministering to you I don't know on what page you are with God right now but just talk to him I give you a minute to do that before we proceed I give you a minute to do that before we proceed all I'm saying and I don't need to you know call out people or whatever all I'm saying is that enough of that disputations with God Enough of all your better ideas when God has spoken. Enough of all your contrary ideas when God has spoken. Lord, let your mercy prevail here this morning. Let your mercy prevail here this morning. Let your mercy prevail here this morning. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I said in Jesus name we pray in Jesus name we pray I I, I, I want to read a scripture before you sit down I still think you need to pray prayer still on the same you know um, direction I will just read a scripture I think I read it to you um, 
when we had this meeting in January. But let me read it to you again, Isaiah the 57th ch chapter. Isaiah the 57th chapter. I made a statement. I want to say it again. Which is uh, background to the theme or the message for today. Isaiah 57 verse number 1. The righteous perisheth, and no man laid it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. And I said something, you know, when we read these scriptures, normally we see it from what I would call the positive dimension. Because the Bible closes that verse by saying the righteous is taken away because of the evil to come. But when you read your Bible very well, it didn't say all the righteous perish. I don't know whether you are with me. It didn't say all the righteous perish. And all the merciful men are taken away. You didn't see that in the Bible. So when the righteous were perishing, some righteous were still available, were still around. What's the difference? When certain merciful men were being taken away, some were still around. What's the difference? And that's the reason why in verse 2 you will see it says, he shall enter into peace. Some are perishing, some are entering into peace. Are you still with me? Some were perishing and in the context in which they were perishing, some were doing what? Because you can be clear there is not those who are perishing that were entering into peace. I used to think that what he was saying is that they perish and enter into heavenly peace. <gasps> Read it very well. He says, He shall enter into peace, they shall rest in what? Not in their graves. Not in their graves. But where? So some are perishing, uh, are in the grave, some are resting in peace, and they are where? on their bed the choice will be yours and what I have said then which I say again today is that the righteous perished not because of unrighteousness don't forget he is still being labeled as what? righteous so he couldn't have perished because of what? unrighteousness as a matter of fact righteousness was supposed to cause him to live and not perish is somebody still with me? I don't know who I'm talking to, why I have to go this route. Because this is not part of my brief for today. When, when Nebuchadnezzar was going to be punished, according to the terms of the dream he had by himself, Daniel interpreted that dream to him and offered him a counsel. He said, O king, let me offer you a counsel. Break off your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps God will lengthen your tranquility. So merciful men are not supposed to perish. Because by reason of their being merciful, they were supposed to be spared. So if merciful men are perishing, the righteous are perishing, and listen to what the Bible says, that no one is laying it to heart. 
no one is thinking about it. No one is thinking about what could be the problem. Because I have said that, I will say it again. They perish because their lives were out of order. When your life is out of order, sometimes God will need to rescue you from the evil to come because you don't have capacity to withstand it. God doesn't, he doesn't, oh Lord have mercy. I just want you to pray. We were going to the word of God shortly, but I want you to pray. Help me. You know, this is supposed to be the prayer after the message, alright? But then, I don't know why I'm going this route. Help me to put my life. Maybe you need the prayer to be able to receive the message. Maybe that's the reason. Lord, help me to put my life in order so that I will not perish when others are perishing. Can we pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ? Lord, even me that I am speaking, I plead with you that you will help me this day to put my own life in order before you. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to help my life. Help me. Help me. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord send your word to us and let your word prosper in our hearts. Thank you Father. In Jesus name we pray. We can still shout hallelujah. Come on shout it louder now. Hey you are here in February 2022. Shout it louder. Alright you may be seated. Um, well all the same um before we come to pray for um, all the birthday celebrants for February and all of that, let me let me specially because it's the, because the, the circumstances are special, let me specially celebrate one of us the man who who gave me the microphone you know he was saying it today is the most special day in his life alright, so let's celebrate our pastor Pastor JP, come, come, come Pastor JP Emmanuel this very day he is 50 years old so you can understand when he says it's special this very very day is the golden man in our midst we will, we will celebrate him, we will pray when we are doing that with everybody. But I just wanted to bust the bubble and say it. Hallelujah. Incidentally, my second son's birthday is today. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was on the drums shortly before we started speaking. Alright, so let, let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. Uh, please, you can give out the, 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 hand, um, the handouts for people so that they can follow me. Because I also want to do I want to trust God to to go you know with speed because I also want to give room for questions last month we weren't able to ask questions because we were rushing for time but this month we will give room we will have questions 
question time. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, the, my, my topic for today is put your life in order. Everybody say put your life in order. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it very well, come on. Now, everything rises and falls on what we are going to deal with today. Everything. Why? Because order is extremely important to God. Order is very important to God. And we're not just talking about order in terms of things, you know, the things you do. We're talking about your very life. We're talking about your very life. Say with me, say, I must put my life in order. You know, this thing is so important to God that even when he himself wants to kill somebody, he will tell the person, I want to kill you, but do what? Put your life in order. You remember he came to Hezekiah. He said, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt die and shall not live. But before I do what I want to do, do what? So even if for whatever reason, I'm not trying to say that God hated Hezekiah, but even if for whatever reason God hates you, and he wants to deal with you. He doesn't compromise on the question of order. He will tell you, put your life in order. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because God reckons with you insofar as your life is in order. And you are out of reckoning with God once your life is not in order. Whatever you do is out of reckoning with God once you are out of order. Oh, your value, the value of what you do appreciates or depreciates with God depending on whether you are in order or out of order. Now, you remember something happened, Genesis chapter 22. This was God asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son whom he loved. His only son, Genesis 22. Help me read verse, 29, verse 9. I want us to see. We're going to use our Bibles a little bit because I want you to see some things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And God will be speaking to you. Some of you, you are going to be having your own personal interpretations of some of the things I'm going to be saying because God is here today to sort out certain lives and I hope yours is among now this man was to sacrifice his only son a son that he had at the age of 100 I would have thought that whichever way he sacrificed the boy should just have been okay with God I would have thought that the very fact that he was sacrificing the young boy should just have been sufficient to cover anything that is contrary I don't know whether somebody understands what I'm saying but Bible says, verse 9, somebody help me read it. Yes. Abraham built an altar there because he knows that if he should sacrifice that boy out of order, he just wasted his life. Now there are some services you are rendering to God that are wastes. I'm sorry to tell you. Because you are acting out of 
You know, that's why he says, on that day, some people's walks will be burnt. No, it's not evil walks that will be burnt. It is walks that were done out of We will end with 1 Corinthians 14.40 Therefore let everything be done decently and in order. That's where we're going to end. But if you understand that little scripture it means the moment you are out of order there is no decency before God in whatever you are doing. So we need to understand the perspectives that God is coming from today and apply our hearts to it and do whatever we need to do. We must do the needful. This is not a message you hear and say, oh, good message. No, you do the needful. You do the needful. You do the needful. You do the needful. Elijah was going to restore the children of Israel unto God. The land, the land had been taken over by bear worship. And no man was confident in God enough and bold and courageous enough to raise his head except this one man. And I thought whatever he does, by reason of being the lone voice, should just be acceptable to God. God should simply say, so that whatever he does should just be okay. But that man understood what we're talking about. Bible says he had to put the wood. First Kings 18.33 He had to do whatever he wanted to do in order. Because when you are out of order you are actually out of his sight. Whatever you are doing is irrelevant. It doesn't even see it. May you not waste your life. May you not waste your destiny. May you not waste your ministry calling. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, fulfillment of destiny is only possible when your life is in order. No man living out of order will ever fulfill destiny. It's not possible. Oh, you can do things that people will praise. You can do things that will excite flesh. You can do things that will be popular with men, but being popular and well, being popular with men does not equal fulfilling destiny. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. When Samson was going to be born, his father understood what I'm talking about. So he told God, "Thank you for giving us a child after all this waiting." He didn't allow, the guy didn't allow the excitement of having a child after several years of barrenness, you know, prevent him from seeing the importance of order in the fulfillment of destiny. So he said to the angel, he said, can you teach us? He said, God, send the angel to come back and teach us how we might order this child's life. Because he knows that if this child lives out of order, it's a waste. Unfortunately, Samson lived out of order eventually. He went out of order and you saw how wasted that life became. Again, your life shall not be a waste. And so, to put your life in order simply means to let it conform to God's design. Listen, there is a design for every life. And by extension, there is a design for every ministry. 
All of us are here in this world and we are commonly called human beings, living beings. But our designs, they are different. Even twins born from the same womb, conceived the same time, carried in the same womb for the same period of you know, months and born the same time, bearing, you know, extremely striking semblances that you, that, you know, there are some twins that even the parents, they don't, they, they can't differentiate between the Thai and the Kainde. Yet, in spite of that overwhelming, striking similarity, in fact, not just similarity, you can even call it oneness. Their destinies are what? Different. The divine design over their lives are different. And if one should decide to copy and live like the other, he may find out or she may find out that she is not in order before God. We may all be called as pastors, but the design for every pastoral ministry is not the same way. We may all be called evangelists. We may all be called to be prophets, to be teachers, to be apostles. But the designs for every calling is peculiar. And when you function out of God's design for your life, you are functioning out of what? Out of order and you are playing yourself into what I call divine irrelevance. five things I want to quickly touch. If your life will be in order, if you will put your life in order, number one, you must get into your purpose. And um, I'm just going to be able to say a few things on this one. Next month, by the grace of God, I'll be dealing with finding purpose in life and ministry. That's what I will deal with by the grace of God next month. But suffice for this occasion to say to you that a life out of purpose is a life out of order. A life out of purpose is what? Is a life out of order. Your number one assignment in life is to find your purpose. And when you have found it, stick to it and fulfill it with all your might. A life out of purpose is a life in danger. When you are out of purpose, you tie the hands of God and is unwilling and unable really, even if he's willing to help you. It is in purpose that you find security. Now, let me, let me, let me juggle with some ideas with you. Now, you remember Sarah. You remember that before she had Isaac, she of her own accord had spoken to her husband Abraham to sleep with Hagar. And that produced Ishmael. And um, whether he was born of a slave or was born of a freeborn, Every man loves his child, especially 
in the kind of circumstance in which Isaac was, I mean, um, what do you call his name? Ishmael was born. And then one day, Isaac came. And Abraham's joy became double. Isn't it so? Abraham's joy became double. And for whatever reason, Sarah decided that in this house, I don't want that double joy. He said, cast out the bones woman and her son. When you look at it on the face value, it looks like wickedness. It looks like unreasonable, you know, whatever. Insensitivity. Cruelty to that little boy. I mean, no matter what Hagar did, I mean, that innocent boy. Bible calls him a lad. Even heaven pitied him. Because when he was crying, heaven had to create water. But this woman called uh, Sarah didn't even have all of that for that. And Bible says Abraham was sorry. He was, he felt sad. He didn't want to do it. And the thing was so much on his eyes. He said, God, see what this woman is saying. What kind of nonsense is this? God said, go and listen to her. Do you know why? She was in order. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. She was within the parameters of order. See, when you are in order, certain terminologies, certain words no longer acquire the same meaning. And I can only hope somebody understands what I'm saying. Isaac said, Esau my son, get me venison so that I can bless you before I die. I want to hand over the covenant to you. And Bible says, Rebecca had and called Joseph. I said, Joseph, I'm sorry, Jacob. He said, Jacob, your father wants to act out of order. Your father is following the natural order. But there is a spiritual order that heaven has shown us. It's not that I didn't know. But sometimes, you know, food makes you to forget what you know. He said, make me the venison, the one that I what? That I love. And there are some of us that are acting out of order because of what we're going to eat. Because of what we love. Not knowing that whatever you love is nothing compared to what God loves. And then she did what you know she did. You can accuse her of dishonesty. You can accuse her of deceit. You can accuse her of whatever you like. But did you know why she scaled through? She was covered by design what? Now, I may not be able to preach this to people generally, but you are ministers. I'm just trying to show you what happens when you are in order and what happens when you are out of order. So get into purpose. Tell your neighbor, say get into purpose. Say it again, say get into purpose. Listen, let me help you understand something. Righteousness loses value outside of purpose. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know whether you have what I just said. That's what Isaiah 57 was telling you. When you are out of order, what your righteousness should fetch you, should fetch you, it won't fetch it. Your service to God loses value out of purpose. Now, I don't know the problem Jesus had with those guys in Matthew chapter 7 from verse 21 to 23. He said, some will come unto me and I will, I will I, he, said, he said, not everyone that, that, um, that uh, said to me, call it me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that what? That doeth, that's purpose. But he that doeth the will of my father, that's purpose. He that doeth the will of my father for his life, that's purpose. That's what I'm talking about. Now those guys now came and said, what are you talking about? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Isn't that service to God? Is that service to the enemy? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we plant churches in your name? And I'm going to say unto them, depart from me. I never knew you. Because out of purpose, you are out of relevance. You don't... In fact, if, 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 if you don't mind me saying it this way, out of purpose, you don't exist. He says, I never knew you. Ye that worketh iniquity. Those of you who are in town doing, doing miracles, signs and wonders, when God is expecting you in one village somewhere, you are out of purpose. You are out of order. All that you do, you know, you, you will only just be saved as by fire. Anointing means nothing out of purpose. When you are out of order, I mean, that, that, that you can understand. When you are out of order, the best of your anointing will eventually lead you to destruction. That's what happened to Samson. Faith outside of purpose brings frustration. That's where it will come to at the end of the day. So, you know, there are people and, and you know, when the faith movement blossomed, it got to a point that people were exercising faith out of this God's design, out of God's purpose. They claim people's car. They claim people's wives. They claim people's property. And they say they are doing what? They are acting by faith. Claim it. <laughs> what is purpose? That's your reason for living. That's the way it's generally described. But let me help you understand it better. Purpose is God's divine reason for your living. Purpose is God's designated reason for your living. Purpose is being where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do in the way God wants you to do it. Now, years ago, I didn't understand some of these things I'm saying. So, God said to me, son, I want you to leave your job. A few of you who knew me, you know, that's a long time ago now. This is my 27th year out of um, um, you know, employment or whatever they call it. 
So God said to me, January 4, 1995, he said, son, I need you out of that university environment. Drop your secular teaching job, pick it up again for me as a spiritual assignment. And so, I had to leave, even though I had a very, 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 very promising career. I mean very, very promising. Very, by all standards, very promising career. And I had to leave. A few years down the line, I spent about three years in full-time ministry and I found out that the places my foot or my feet have reached preaching the gospel while I was working in the university. Three years after I left, I have not even gone halfway. So I said to God, what's the meaning of what you're doing? I was even more active when I was, <laughs> when I was working. Now that I'm no longer working, I've not even gone as far as all the places I have gone. Now, you can keep going anywhere. Go to Canada. Go to Australia. Go to Japan. Go to US. As of purpose, it is what? It is a Jonah life. It's a Jonah life. Oh, you know that guy could afford the first class ticket because the Bible says Jonah you know, <laughs> when the storm happened, where did they find me? You didn't understand what I'm saying. I'm not teaching on Jonah today, but you didn't understand. There was storm. Everybody was worried. But Jonah was somewhere in the, in the, in the first class cabin of the ship. Where when there is turbulence, you don't even feel it. Because of the comfort that was there. The same turbulence that made everybody throw away their, what do you call it? Their goods, their precious goods overboard. Jonah was sleeping soundly. That gives you an impression of the comfort that he had in the ship. That's money. A man can have money and not be in purpose. You know, sometimes when ministry is blossoming and money is coming in, I, I will come to teach on purpose because I don't want to take all my time. <laughs> I'll come to teach on that later. Please understand me very well. Purpose is being where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, exactly in the way God wants you to do it. You know, sometimes I wonder then, okay, if you knew this is where, I mean, you knew anyway. So if you knew, or since you knew this is where I was going to end up, why did I have to waste my time doing? <laughs> and, and you can relate to that as well. You can relate to that as well. Why did I have to waste my time doing all that? But keep doing your talking. You are a human being. And so I say, purpose gives definition to life. And it also gives you fulfillment. To get your life in order, you must answer the question, why am I here on the earth? Why am I in the ministry? Why did God put me where I am? And there are some of you serving, you know, maybe you are serving somebody else, you are serving under somebody and all of that. And you've never settled the question why you're there. Your life is not in order. Because you can be in the right place and be doing the wrong thing. 
I wrote something there. I think, I hope I left it in your own copy. I said, to be safe in 2022, stay and operate within the confines of your divine purpose. You know the opposite of what I just said? Is it in your notes? <laughs> Let's read it together. Go ahead. I said, do you know the opposite of that? May God make you wise. May God grant you understanding. Number two. To put your life in order, you must be under authority. Now, I said something about that last month. And it's showing up again. Now, I said, Abraham was the spiritual authority that God recognized over Lord. You know their story anyway. His intercession was accepted because he was the watchman over Lord's life. But Lord did not submit to that authority and strayed out of order. Take him to my office. Take him to my office. Now go and study their lives and you will understand what I'm saying. I don't have time to deal with the details of that. Let me explain this to you. There was a time when it really didn't matter much how you lived your life. But the time has come when we must put our lives in order. There was a time when it didn't matter, you know, even though the scriptures have always been there and the meanings have not changed, the intents of God have not changed. There was a time I grew up in an era when there was nothing called the spiritual father. Even though it was to us, those who who understood God at that time were f- functioning fully in the context of how God wanted them to operate. But those of us, maybe because of the environment in which we rose, you know, students' environment, fellowship environment, we were all bro, bro, bro. The concept of spiritual fatherhood was almost alien to us. Praise the name of Jesus. Under normal circumstances, there should never, there should never have been a reason in any at any point in time in life that I will be calling bro me, bro me. But I'm used to bro me. Praise the name of Jesus. I say, praise the name of Jesus. Because when I was going to start work for God, now okay, I'm going to formally start work for, for God. This was the man that prayed for me. This was the man who laid his hands on me and prayed for me. So how come it's a bro, bro? But you know, in those days, it was just bro. Even Kadeheki was bro. 
Praise God. It was brought. Everything was brought. It's brought David. Brought Francis Wiley. Okay. All of them were brought. We're all brought. We were just brought and brought everybody. But there's a time for everything. And there is a season to every purpose. One of the fundamental purpose of the ministry of John the Baptist was to restore the concept of spiritual authority. He said he will restore the fathers to their children and the rebellious to the wisdom of the just. And Acts 3 tells us that before Jesus returns, there must be a restitution, which is the John the Baptist ministry, restitution of all things. It's not because some people want people they want to control. It is that certain order must return to the church. Otherwise, Jesus won't appear. Because he won't come into disorderliness. No. 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 And so you look at a person like Lot. While he was with Abraham under the oversight of Abraham, look at how his life went. When he left that covering, look at how his life went. Yet it was still described as just Lord. Because you're being just, your righteousness will progressively lose value when you are out of order. And if what I'm saying makes meaning to you, glory to God, because you need to get me. I wouldn't know whether it was December or November sometime last year. I was teaching on the importance of, I don't know, I can't remember the topic very well now, but I was teaching on the importance of this subject that I'm dealing with. And I was showing you that even for Jesus to function on earth, he had to submit to the principle of fatherhood. For him to, because if he came on earth with all the anointing and the toga of the son of God and would, and would not submit to that order, his ministry would amount to nothing. Because there is a directive touching the earth. There is, there is a divine design that governs the earth. So he must be called Jesus, the son of what? Of Joseph. He must be. Even though Joseph didn't even give back to him. But he must be because that is the principle for operation on the earth. And I wondered, I wrote it in your listing, I wondered if, if Lord was under Abraham, even when he ran away from, what do you call that place? Sodom. If he was under Abraham, do you imagine he would still have slept with his children? Tell your neighbor, say, put your life in order. Certain things won't just happen when you are under the right spiritual covering. And I've seen this happen 
over and over again. I've seen lives just getting into shape just by itself, by just being under the right spiritual authority. I've seen prayers that were not prayed, answered, just by people being where they are supposed to be. I've seen life just move smoothly just because people fell in line with God's purpose for their lives. There are some struggles you are having. Just take the time, meditate on these things we are dealing with. You may just find out that those struggles will go by themselves. You know, God's wisdom is foolishness to man. I said many are suffering needlessly and are even perishing because they have not gotten this matter right. Now, somebody was asking me, and I know people will want to ask that, you know, questions about how to sort this issue. And I said my, my best scriptural formula is First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 58. Now, Israel had been in battle with the Philistines. You know the story. All the military generals, all the skills amounted to nothing. Everything Israel had didn't produce result. And then one chap who by the help of God had gotten his life in order arrived on the scene. And everything changed. Effortlessly. 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 And so Saul looked at the situation and said, no, this is not ordinary. This is not normal. Those who are more trained, more equipped, etc., etc., have been here. They've not been able to do anything. This one that didn't even have any equipment. No, something that is he considered. You know, he says the righteous perish it. No one considers it. So that thing happened, Saul considered. He said, there's something to understand about what is going on. So he said to Abner, he said, call me that chap whose son I thou. Because a fatherless person can't do what you've done. A man that is not under authority can't do Because it takes a man under authority to have authority. The centurion told us that you know the story. Luke chapter 7. It takes a man under authority to have authority. To exercise authority safely. Hello? To exercise authority. How? Safely. Put your life in order. Find a spiritual authority over your life. So he said, who son art thou young man? And David answered, I am the son. Now, there are people who are following but are not sons. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There are people who are following but they're not what? They're not sons.
You follow to get. You are a son to serve. And it's no wonder that David came to achieve that feat from a position of what? Service. He was serving his father in the book. You remember the story. He was serving. In fact, his brothers were angry with him. They said, who did you leave those few and feeble sheep to? He said, don't worry, my brother. I got it covered. I'm even here also on my father's what? Assignment. It's the same service I was serving there that brought me here. So I'm covered. Don't worry. Don't worry. It was not the sling and the stone that killed Goliath. It was a life that was in order. So son of thou, young man, he said, I am the son. I'm a legitimate son, alright? I am the son of thy servant. And I tell people, if you normally you should pray and I mean you are a minister, you should be, you should have developed a system by which God speaks to you. Normally you should pray and ask God and God must speak to you who he has raised or ordained for your life. That's the normal thing. But while you are yet able to catch that, there are scriptural principles. And so from that scripture, the first thing is that that fellow must be a servant. He described his father. He said, my father is number one, the servant. Must be a servant. Somebody with a servant's heart. Somebody whose purpose is not to use you. Somebody who is not looking for who to serve him. He said, I am the son of thy servant. So look for that spirit of servanthood. And then he mentioned his name. He said, Jesse. Jesse means Jehovah is the one in whose life Jehovah is present. Now some of you are looking for signs, you are not looking for God. Some of you are looking for achievements, you are not looking for God. Some of you are looking for name, you are not looking for God. Some of you are looking for wealth, you are not living, looking for God. Some of you are looking for connections, you are not looking for God. That's why you couldn't find The question to ask is is the self-existing one, Jehovah, is he existing in this person's life? Can I see God in his life? And then he says the third one. Jesus, the what? Bethlehem means house of bread. And you already know that bread signifies the word of God. when they were looking for that prophet they said the word of God is with him and when I say that and I'm still coming somewhere there in one of the outlines when I say the word of God I'm not just talking about somebody preaching the word I'm talking about somebody living the word of God having a good understanding of the word of God not for manipulative purpose if you if you use those criteria you are not likely to miss it. And if you miss it, it won't hurt you. 
it will it will be sufficient for you as a schoolmaster to guide you until the real thing comes number three if your life must be put in order you must live in the word of God now it is deliberate my use of that preposition in is deliberate ordinarily what should have made more English or grammar sense is to say live by the word of God but I said live in it's deliberate live in the word of God a life lived outside the parameters of God's word is a life out of order live in the word of God. Now, there's a principle within the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 2, after God created the earth, the Bible says, the earth was without form and was void. And of course, darkness was upon the face of the deep. So, the world got out of order. Disorderliness came into the world by an external influence. How did God restore order into his world? Verse 3, and God said, he uses word. He uses word. So the word of God or words generally are principal instruments of enforcing order. But if those words, if your words will bring proper and lasting order, your words must become the word of God. Praise the Lord. Your word must become the word of God. Reorder your words to conform with the word of God. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now I said somewhere in that thing, you know, I, I can't go into it now but it's there. You didn't make this world and you didn't make your own life. You were made by the word of God. This world was made by the word of God and you were also made by the word of God because the Bible says in Genesis 1.26 God said before you were made, God said let us make man in our own way. That was the word that created you. Now, your word that is not in conformity with the word of God cannot create order. Because you didn't create the world that you are trying to order. I don't know whether I'm making sense. I hope it's not complex. I hope I'm not confusing you. Uh -huh. If I'm not confusing you, shout hallelujah. Uh -huh. Some people didn't shout. If I'm not confusing you, shout hallelujah. So the right words to bring order or the right words in which you must live for your life to be in order must be the words that are sanctioned by the word of God, connected to the word of God, the word of the spirit of God. It is not nice words that will bring order. It is not even right words that will bring order. It is God's word that will bring order. God told Laban, he said, if you don't want me to deal with you, when you get to Jacob, don't say anything, whether good or bad to him. Because any word from your mouth, whether good or bad, is out of order because it's not my word. I have spoken for the man to leave you and that is the final. You go to him, you say anything, whether good or bad, you are in trouble. And I don't know, I'm not preaching that one, but I don't know. Because after that, we didn't hear Liban again. Because he still got there and still spoke to the man. <laughs> God said, shut up! He still talked. And there are some of us like that. God says, shut up. We still talk. 
Lord have mercy. Lord help us. Lord help us. Lord help us. Look at what David said in Psalm 119 verse 33. He said, order my steps. Order my steps in your world. Order my, because he understood what we're dealing with. Number four. I hope I can finish this thing in the next 10 minutes maximum because I want us to ask questions and I still want us to close by 12. Practice what you preach. Practice what you teach. Any, listen, any man who preaches what he doesn't practice, his life is out of order. Completely out of order. When you're not bound by what you teach or preach, you are out of order. You are out of order. As a matter of fact, you are living in danger. Like the Pharisees, you will be guilty of hypocrisy. You know, Jesus said, they say and do not. Matthew 23, verses 2 and 3. They say and do not. When you say, when you say and do not, when you don't practice what you preach, you are a Pharisee to God. And everything that is pronounced over them in Matthew 23 is hanging on your neck. Forgive me. What is pronounced over them? Whoa, 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 whoa. It's not that the dog is barking, no. Whoa means destruction. Jesus, I mean, Luke was writing in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. He said the things that Jesus began both to do and to preach. That's the order. I wrote that one there because it should hit some of you, especially because you are pastors. If you don't give tithe, don't preach it. Every time you preach it, you are condemning yourself by your words. Forgive me, it may sound a bit heavy. But every time you preach it, you are registering your name in hell. It's as serious as that. If you don't give good offering, don't tell people to give good offering. It's not a sin for you not to preach it. If you commit, commit fornication, don't tell people not to commit fornication. Never preach what you don't do. Never. Because when you do, you are out of order. You are setting yourself up for problem. No problem with men, no. Problem with God. So please, let's get it very clear. Let's get it very, very clear. As a Christian minister, you are under obligation. Under divine compulsory obligation. To do what you preach. To practice what you teach. Oh yes, you may not be perfect at it yet. But God must see the sincere efforts. You know, there are some things we also do. We, we take talking steps. You know, man is terrible. God forgive us. You know, the heart of man is 
deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. You know, there are things we do deliberately just to cover this track. We know we are not doing it from our heart. We know we don't want to do it, but lest anybody be saying this, so you just try to do it heartedly and say, that's all right. God sees you. God does what? God sees now. Jehovah sees. It's not just when trouble comes. Jehovah sees. Jehovah knows. When you are pretending. <laughs> Jehovah sees. Jehovah knows. He's your judge. When you are in this seat, Jehovah sees. Jehovah knows. Number five. This is important. Restore God's order in your marriage. If your life and ministry will be in order, please get me clear. Your marriage must be in order. I have not been to heaven. Not even in dreams, okay? Or visions. I've never been there. But his word is sufficient for me. And I judge everything by his word. Can I tell you something please? Don't mind all the paparazzis that we are seeing on the earth. God's word is settled forever in heaven. You may have a great ministry on the earth and not have a great presence with God in heaven. Is somebody listening to me? Because what is out of order is what? Is out of order. You may see people who beat their wives. Who will treat their wives? Who abuse their husbands? Who have marriages that have nothing to write home about? Having great ministries. Don't be deceived. Don't be what? Don't be deceived. Now, what's God's order for marriage? Genesis 2, 23 to 25. And God brought the woman he has made to the man. And he said, this now is what? Is bone. Because when I ask you what's God's order, what most of you are likely to tell me is that husband love your wife. Uh, uh, wife uh, submit to your husband. Your husband is the head. That's the order. No, those are just the tools to enforce the order. Those are the tools to sustain the order. God's order is here in Genesis chapter 2. 
the man said, this now is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Says she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And the two shall become what? One flesh. And they were both naked. The man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. What is God's order? Number one, oneness. That's God's order for marriage. Oneness. For she is born of your bone. And flesh of your flesh. Every life you live secretly. Now it could be positively secretly and negatively secretly. I don't know whether how God will help me to understand for you to understand what I'm dealing with. Because for instance, I'm not talking about a man that is committing fornication and is hiding that from his wife. I'm not talking of a man, a woman that is building a house somewhere and is hiding it from the husband. That's not what I'm talking about. Everything that deducts from your oneness puts your life out of order. Because it was not so from the beginning. And the two shall become one flesh. Oneness. Unity of life and purpose. That is God's order for Christian marriage. When that is not the case, I am telling you, you may like to believe it. You may not like to believe it. I am telling you, when that is not the case, your life is out of order. Whatever you need to do to bring it into order, I beg you, do it. They were both naked. The man and his wife. Now imagine two naked people standing together. What will one cover from the other? And God is not just speaking about physical nakedness, but that my heart is naked before your heart. You know what is in my heart. I know what is in your heart. There is nothing we are hiding from ourselves. When your marriage is not in order, your ministry can never be in order. Forget about... Um, uh, when we deal with the question of purpose next month, you will understand a few things more. Listen. Largeness, greatness, by human definition, does not mean anything before God. I have... I, I, I don't have time to deal with it, but let me just tell you something. You know, Jesus came, Matthew 11, he said, he said, of all that is born of men, he said that is none that has arisen. That is what? In the same Bible says, but John did no miracle. Did you see the Bible? Now, a man that did no miracle, This man is in another, is in another country. 
A man that did no miracle. A man whose ministry ended with his head being, being beheaded. A man that lived in the wilderness all his life. A man that was wearing only camels uh, and ghost king. A man that couldn't even eat good food. He's only eating locusts. A man whose disciples will just see another new name in town and just follow and leave him. Jesus now came and said, None has a reason that is greater than this man of whom none of you, I can bet that one. I can bet it. Although I'm not supposed to bet, but I can bet it. There is nobody here who has ever desired on earth to be like John. None. Some of you have coveted the anointing of Paul. You have coveted the, the anointing and the power of, uh, uh, what do you call his name? Uh, Moses. And you have coveted the fire of, you even pray and say, God of Elijah, answer me. And you have sung and sung and sung and sung and sung. Abraham's blessings are mine. But nobody has ever said, Lord, give me the grace of John the Baptist. I want to be like John the Baptist. Nobody has ever desired anything from that man's life. Nobody. Maybe except that when you are looking for crowd, you say, John was in the wilderness and the crowds were going. Lord, the anointing for crowd. The anointing for crowd. And so, this man that is the reject of the earth, the judge of all men pronounced him and said, None is greater. The one who divided the rest is not greater. The one who called down fire is not greater. The one who prophesied Jesus and prophesied the Messiah, prophesied and prophesied, he prophesied, he prophesied himself out of life, self, is not greater. The greatest king of Israel. After whose order Jesus himself came, he's not greater. Because if he says none, none means none. So how then does he estimate things? Listen, even though we have seen that scripture, we see it in the Bible, we know it. Do you know what I think? Most of us don't believe. Most of us don't believe. It's not the favorite subject that we want to study. Common sense, you ordinarily tell us that when Jesus says there is no greater than a particular person, we should all study the person very well. But even me that I'm speaking, John is not my subject for study. Study John. When Paul is there to study. When Moses is there to study. When Abraham is there to study. When all those great, great people, Elijah is there to study. You go and sit down and study the person that they cut off his head in the prison. Is that what I want? Do I want my head to be cut off? But the one who is the judge of us all said, this man is the greatest. And, and if you don't pick anything from that, you should just understand that your estimations are wrong on the earth. 
said the things that are highly esteemed amongst men they are abomination I mean it would have been a different thing if he said they are not esteemed before God but he says they are that's, that's the complete opposite to the extreme may God open your understanding I say may God open your understanding may God open your understanding the man who beats his wife must stop. Can you find it? Don't you find it strange that even in this century, there are pastors that are still beating their wives. In this century, I'm not talking of last century. In this century, when even the world has moved past that one, the world, the unbelieving world, they have moved past that one. And you have pastors that are still beating. You should, you know, because if you don't understand the other, he says you are one flesh. Have you ever seen anybody beating himself? Now you make mistakes all the time. You fumble all the time. Why don't you pick up a cane and beat yourself for fumbling? You have disappointed yourself several times. You yourself, you disappointed yourself. Why did you pick up a cane and beat yourself? After all, you offended. And some of us are so funny. You say, ah, oh, yeah, come no, me like, but hey, then you take the cane and beat yourself now. Because you yourself, you know already what you did is bad. And you will even acknowledge it and say, ah, ah, I should be beaten. You take the cane and beat yourself. But you see, no man does that to himself. Women who abuse their husbands and dishonor their husband, no woman does that to herself. In fact, one of the things. You see, when God says, husband, love your wife, the real issue is that God is saying, you won't hurt yourself. You won't get angry at yourself. You won't beat yourself. So go ahead and treat your wife like that. That's the meaning. Love your wife is not buying buy things for her. Love your wife is not give her money. That's not it. Love your wife means treat her as you will do what? Treat yourself. And when he says to women, uh, uh, reverence your husband, respect them, honor them, it's not by kneeling down. Yes, it's good to kneel down and all of that, but that you honor them just as you will always honor yourself. Forgive me, you women that are here. Women are masters in dressing up and honoring themselves and making themselves beautiful even when they are not. You see your face that is not looking well. Women are expert in making a face that doesn't look well. Don't do what? Don't look well. Now, he says the same way you honor yourself. The same way you don't dishonor your own body. The same way you don't allow your body to fall into dishonor. So are you to also honor your husband. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. But all the bad things that your husband does, it is from the matter of some wives that we will hear it outside. And you never exposes the bad things about your own self, about your body. You never. You never. Once you see something bad about yourself, what do you do? You make it up. That's where the word makeup comes now. You make it up. But you can't make up good stories about your husband. It's the bad one you report. So that's what he's saying. You follow that to restore order because what you will do to yourself is what you must do to your spouse. That's what he's saying. So 
So when you get your marriage in order, your ministry will be a major beneficiary. I'm blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. It's the favor of God. Yes, I'm, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed that God helped me in that area. I'm just blessed. And so let's, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. L let me say this in closing. You know, when, when your life is in order, effortlessly, wherever you appear, you tend to become a messenger of order, even without saying or doing anything. It's your presence. Because deep must call unto the deep. And when your life is also out of order, you don't need to do anything. Anywhere you step into, the spirit of disorder must enter. Because your life, you carry that spirit. <laughs> Jonah entered the... What did, what did Jonah do in the ship? He wasn't doing anything. He just went to sleep. He didn't speak evil. He didn't cause trouble. He didn't do anything. He just stayed. JJ... But he was a man out of order. So compulsorily, this order entered the place where he entered. And that's why I'm afraid for us as pastors. That's why I'm afraid. Because when we are pastors, our lives are connected to many lives. May your life not bring disorder to other people's lives. Because once you are out of order, nobody under you will be in order. That's the reason why this thing is important. Once you don't subject to the principle of God's order, people, you are a danger to people around you. It is only when you are dealing with uh, uh, soul winning that you use that scripture that I will require his blood. Only God knows how many blood will be required from some of you's life as pastors. Because people who associated with you and got their lives messed up because you were not in order, their blood will be required from you. I'm not preaching to scare you, but I'm just telling you the truth. And so, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40 says, let everything, everything. In other words, even the things I didn't mention here, what this message is supposed to do to you is to make you go and sit down and say, Lord, where is my life out of order? And until God has spoken, you don't leave the place. You don't stop the prayer. Where is my life? Where do I need to get in order? Where is my life out of order? Where do I need to make amends? Because if you don't, I will only tell you this. This 2022, do it too. Get this message, listen to it again. Uh, we, have, we have passed the era of uh, disc and uh, all those things. Just go to YouTube eh, and go and listen to it again. If you want to download it, there, download. Okay? Listen to it again, again, again. If you want to have it as MP3, you know, talk to them. They will... Listen to it again and pray. Pray your life back into order. I am pleading, oh. I am pleading. Let me use the words of Brother Paul as I end it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you put your life in order. Let's rise to our feet. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you put your life in order. Now forget about the excuses. I know that it is possible that in certain places your life is not in order. It's not because of your fault. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's possible that your life got into disorder and it is not your what? Your fault. Are you still with me? You don't like me this morning. Are you still with me? Alright. It's possible that your life got out of order and it is not your fault. But can I tell you the truth? If it is not your fault that your, your life got out of order, it is your fault that your life remains out of order. So if you come to God with the excuse, you, you know what happened. It's not my... The question is, so what are you doing about it? Let's read this scripture. Uh, where is Pastor Mark? So when we have read this scripture, I want to drop this microphone. You help me, you know, we pray and then um, we do the rest of whatever we need to do. Now, Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to just you know, use the template to say the things I want to say. Proverbs 6. If you are there, just, just read for me. We're going to verse number 5. We will skip maybe verse uh, 3 or so or verse 2 or verse 4, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proverbs 6. Who is there? My son, if your life gets out of order, If you miss order in your life, oh, you, are by of your mouth. you have entered into trouble. Yes. He said, that is not the end of the story that you have a problem. What you must do is that you do what? Do you know the meaning of that? The meaning is that God is saying, after you have heard this word, toku. That's the meaning. Do this now, my son. Do what? Deliver thyself. Read on. Next verse. Are you getting what the Lord is saying? He said, because there are some of you that we say, hey, well, I'm praying about it. But look at the seriousness of the person that wants deliverance here. He says, give no sleep to your eyes. No slumber to your have you have you read where Elijah was praying for for rain to come? Did you notice the kind of prayer I prayed? That brought about supernatural speed. Give no sleep to your eyes or slumber to your eyelids. Uh-huh. Hey, read, yeah. Deliver 
so that in the mouth of two or three witnesses a matter shall be established. He said, deliver yourself like a roll. Uh-huh. So, the picture is that this situation I found myself wants to kill me and I don't want to die. That's the picture. Now, you are the one to know whether the way you have approached what the issues are is as though this thing wants to kill you and you are not ready to die. Pastor Mark, where are you? I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy words and it spoke your love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer you can pray the prayer and say draw me Jesus mighty name we pray and so father we give you praise this morning we thank you for your word that have gone forth we say be thou exalted be thou glorified and we thank you for your servant that you've used this morning blessed be your holy name O God we ask for grace even to practicalize your word this day in the name of Jesus because if we get it in this area then we get everything. Lord, we are asking, oh God, that the grace to practicalize this word, let it rest upon us. In the name of Jesus, from this meeting this morning, we receive grace to put our life in order. In the name of Jesus. And as we make a move to put our life in order, we come against any form of distractions. In the name of Jesus. Any power of hell that may want to hinder us. That may want to stop us. That may want to prevent us from putting us alive in order. We come against you in the name of Jesus. We paralyze your power. We render your power useless. In the name of Jesus. And as we begin to put our life in order. There shall be notable and outstanding testimonies. Thank you precious father. And we are asking God that you empower your servants much more than before in the name of Jesus we decree and declare concerning him he will remain fresh thank you precious father for we pray in Jesus name and in Jesus mighty name we pray and the believers in the house say a bigger amen hallelujah if you are blessed shout hallelujah amen so if you have questions questions let's take our seats Question we one questions questions only one person that okay daddy questions 
So we have two persons that is asking questions. So, brother, sir, can you praise the Lord? Amen. I want to bless the name of God, the life of our daddy, more grace and anointing, sir. Now, uh, if my question will not be out of context of the of today's teaching, sir, uh, I want to ask. We are all ministers of the gospel. And one of our assignments, sir, is to correct. To correct. Uh, but honestly speaking, uh, let me say it in your Erumba me. In the Christian dome, Christian food. Honestly, I'm looking at it as if a, a time is coming when it will be very uh, difficult question, to, sir. to differentiate question. between uh, a Christian brother and a, a Yahoo boys and so. Question. Now, my question is this, sir. Now, our Christian brother cutting different hairstyle in the church today and most of the ministers, I don't know, we... we there is no correction on that in most places. Now, the question I want to ask, sir, the cutting of hairstyle is this still order in the church today or it is out of order? If it is out of order, shall we silent about it? Or if it is in order, I want to believe uh, that this is a pastor of pastors. So, I, I want us to know our, our brothers, uh, our brothers, brothers uh, Christian in brothers the, in, in the church. church. Okay. Yeah, so that's okay. my question, sir. Okay, that is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, can we imagine God bringing forth without bringing light? Let us create man in our image. Can we imagine God bringing forth man without creating plants, animals, and land? That is the importance of order. My question is this. How do you bring someone who has been in ministry for over 20 years and that person is a general overseer in court. How do you bring him to order? When actually God has not given him that leverage to be a general overseer. Or should I should I simplify my question? Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Uh, Praise the 
Okay, praise God. Um, your, your question, Pastor Baji, is difficult to answer from here because um, you are dealing with specifics and you are not specific. <laughs> praise the Lord. You are dealing with specifics and you are not specific. Um, I don't know what the Father in the Lord is doing. I don't. So, if uh, I don't know what he's doing, there's uh, no way I will be able to be the judge of um, what happens there. But this is it. Because you also must be careful about the voices you hear. There's no voice that can tell you things that stand in contrast to the word of God. So if what you are here is contrary to what the scripture says, then you must be sure that because sometimes you can't even trust yourself that it is not something else that you yourself you are looking for that is making you to hear the voice you are hearing. So if the basis of the wives uh, know is the word of God, you can't fault it. So what am I trying to say? If for instance, I mean, if for instance, your father in the law steals and you decide that okay, I, there's no way I can continue under this. Because there are certain things you don't need to hear the voice of God on that one. At least to save yourself first. It says deliver yourself. It didn't say deliver yourself until you hear the word of God. Because once you know you are in trouble, deliver yourself. So this man steals every time police are coming to church to arrest him and he's your father in the Lord well, deliver thyself okay and then you hear a voice that says go back let him be your father in the Lord and your wife is, and you went back and as soon as you went back it's told again and your wife is saying we're not going there again ah no don't let's do that we are hearing the word of God yeah, yeah. Ah. I'm sorry oh. I'm sorry I'm sorry I have to say this because um, well even though the fellow that is concerned is not here so I will just paraphrase it. There are certain things that are divine orders. It's clear from the word of God. And then somebody flouts it and you are using another word of God to say we shouldn't say anything about it. Doesn't work that way. I'll give you an example. Somebody stole your money. You forgave him the first time. He duped you again. He duped you again. And you took him to court. And somebody says, we are brethren. We shouldn't go to court. That's what the Bible says. I don't know whether somebody is getting me. No, it doesn't work that way. It does not work. You let the law take its course 
No preaching can overtake that one. Am I making sense to anybody here? So you are the one who knows the details and the particulars of the issues you are dealing with. But whatever anybody is saying, if the Father in the Lord does not have a servant heart, if the Father in the Lord does not respect the word of God, forgive me, let the voice go to where it's coming from. That's my response to that. I hope I've been helpful. Sir, somebody has been general overseer for whatever years. He's out of order. How can you bring him to order? If you don't have authority over his life, it's none of your business. They came to Jesus. They said, tell my brother to divide our... Said, Who made me a judge? <laughs> overseer over you. Now there's something about me. This is me now, okay? This is me. This is me. This is me, oh. You understand me? Because we are different, and I know the grace of God upon my life. We're different. There is a level at which I see you go out of order, and I will talk to you. There's a level at which I won't. Because I have known, I have come to know that if I tell you, and sometimes I tell people, I say, just pray that it's not God that is speaking through me. And oftentimes he's the one speaking. I say, just pray that it's not God that is speaking through me. Because once I tell you and you don't do it, you are in trouble. You used to have one trouble before that we're trying to correct. And I now come and tell you, this is what you should do. And you don't do it, your trouble gets multiplied. And because I don't want to get people into trouble, I'm serious with what I'm saying. Because I don't want to get people into trouble, I keep my mouth shut until I'm sure that you can recognize my authority and do what I'm saying. I will not help you to use me to destroy your own life. It's the major reason why I hardly intervene in certain things until I'm sure that these people can listen. Because if they don't listen to what I said, it will be, it will be taken against them. And they'll get into more trouble. And my, 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 my desire is to solve problems, not to create more problems. So I keep quiet. Praise the Lord. So what I'm saying in essence, sir, is that if you don't have spiritual authority over that person, it's none of your business. You can pray for him. You can if the situation presents itself you can advise the person you know and give him your opinion and let him take his decision <laughs> praise the name of Jesus praise the name of Jesus praise the name of Jesus ah that's often because to that's that's me so, and because I understand that because I understand that I keep this mouth shut I 
I keep this mouth shut. God will help us. I don't know whether I've made some sense. Cutting off uh, whatever hair cuts. Now, what you say about that, you can say about so many other things that we have called the non-essentials. Wearing of trousers by women, leaving air open or not leaving air open, uh, etc. Using earrings, etc., etc., etc. How do I answer your question? When you are in Rome, behave like Romans. Whatever law operates in the denomination to which you belong, follow it and encourage others to follow it. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. If your denomination says this air court is not acceptable, preach it to the people. This is what our church believes. If your denomination is silent on it, wisdom says you also should be what? Silent on it. Because Lest when you do something, it is even your leaders that you think will back you up. <laughs> that we say you take too much to yourself. Now, I'll say this openly. I was saying it to our, our people yesterday while they were praying. Deep Alive has some set of rules and doctrines and manners and traditions. And... Um, one of the things they don't do in those days is to celebrate birthdays. And so it happened that our father in the Lord, um, Pastor W.F. Kumuye, became 80 years old. And um, the young people in the church said, this one, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, our father in the Lord is 80, he's alive and where? On his feet? And we will rejoice. Forget it all. We do what we want to do. So the young boys, they sang songs that were never sung before in deeper life. They played music that were never played before. They danced the dance that were never danced before. They did things so much so that some elders that were having oversight over some of those children suspended them. That this is not acceptable in the life. And uh, it came to pass that um, our dad in the Lord had to address the issue. Uh, well, um, something happened and I think I need to talk about it. Uh, uh, the young people were excited and uh, they were showing their excitement in ways that we older people will not show it and um, you know when we old people are excited we do it in a matured way in a, a moderate way and, and this and that but the young people they couldn't do that I mean they were just overjoyed and, and they sang and, and, and they danced and, and they did all those things and um, and uh, they were just excited. Yeah, they were just excited. And, um, and I'm told that uh, some leaders uh, under which these people are, uh, you know, have, um, what I just want to say is that let's pardon them uh, for the sake of unity and oneness. Let's pardon them. 
You know, and uh, let's encourage the young people. Young people, do more. Bring your new ideas. Bring, we will look at them. Bring your fresh ideas. Do your evangelism. Do. Listen. Listen. Pastor Borode, can I tell you the truth? Hairstyle or no hairstyle will not stop you from getting to heaven. But listen, this is where most people miss it. It's not just wrong people that take people to hell. I mean, wrong things that take people to hell. You can do a good thing and still go to hell. It's not wearing of trousers, covering of hair of not, or not covering of hair that will take anybody to heaven or hell. But listen to me very well. If God told you, my son, from today, I don't want you to wear trousers again. Did you hear what I just said? I don't know whether you heard what I said. What did I say? Eh? Eh? After if God told you, what did I say? What did I say? You know, it's the natural order for a man to wear trousers. If God told you, my son, I don't want you to wear trousers again, you wear it, you go to hell. You wear it, you know you are a man. The whole world will not see anything wrong in it. The whole, I mean the whole world as in the whole world. But you will go to hell. Why? Because he told you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because he told you. Many years ago, Kenneke wrote a book, The Women Question. Some of you might have read it. One day he called the wife. He said, now you are free to use hearings. You are free to do whatever you like to do. He said, I'm the one that said I didn't want it. I'm now the one that is also saying I want it. It's not God that said don't. Now so, we need to get that very, very clear. Praise the name of Jesus. I have said this many times. I don't know whether I've said it here. I can't forget the experience. 1996, I was in Benin with the Abishop Benzin in the altar. I was sitting by the altar and a bishop from Fiji Island was called as the next person to speak. You know, when you are in the Daosa School of Ministry and all of that, every of his sons, major ministers, you will give them five. You can have up to 20 in a day. He will give them five, five minutes to charge people. So the next person to call was a bishop from Fiji Island. I'd seen him before. I was laughing when I first saw him because he, wear, he wore short knicker. And I was laughing. Hold it. I was laughing. He wore, you know, like those old headmasters. He wore short knicker, you know, brown like this. I, I still remember it as if it was yesterday. Brown like this, big king bear, short knicker, with socks and core shoe. And they were co, co, co. So when he was now the person to speak, I was sitting beside the altar where I was going to climb. It was when he was climbing that I discovered that it was a skirt the man was wearing. That was no short knicker. He was wearing a skirt. Not just a skirt. Please, pleated skirt. I said, eh? Skirt in the bishop wore. Because that's what they wear 
where he came from. Go to Scotland today. Go to Scotland today. The way you know a rich person, the way you know royalty, is that he will be in skirts. And not just in skirts, even his shirt will be the one that uh, deeper life women used to wear that has a, uh, uh, that, you know, that neck that has, that has flower here. If you follow the social media, about uh, six months ago or so, when this guy, on one year ago, when this guy, Obi Kubana, started making waves, if you follow the social media, he just signed, about a year ago, he signed a contract with um, one of the best uh, whiskey producers in Scotland, Scottish whiskey. And he, with the um, um, leaders of that company, they posted in a, in a picture. I don't know if anybody saw that on the social media. All of them, all those big, big men, they were wearing skirts. All of them. That's the symbol of royalty. So you go there and say, a man should not wear your skirt, a woman should, you are just wasting your time. You're just wasting your time. Forgive me, some other people may contest this, but that's not the gospel. Praise the Lord. Some other people may contest it, but that is not the gospel. With due respect to our Father in the Lord, Pastor Kumui, with due respect to different life people that were here, don't watch television. It was never the gospel. It was never. It was never. Now, there are more people watching Pastor Kumui on the screen than people. If I, what am I talking, saying there are more people? There are million times more people watching him on the screen than watching him in real life. Deeper life has television of his own. So that it was preached then didn't make it a gospel. And that it was being preached by a frontline minister didn't make it a gospel. You need to understand that. The gospel remains the gospel. Jesus saves. Hallelujah. Acts 8 verse 5. And Philip went down to Samaria and there preached Christ. That's the gospel. And Philip came down from Ejibo to <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. You are free to decide what you want and what you don't want. If in your church you don't want certain hairline or whatever, tell them I personally don't want this. You are free to do that. I don't want it. Some of my sons were following me and they were having excessively big bed. And I told them, I don't like this. I didn't say, God said, you shall not wear beard. I said, I don't like it. If you can't be clean, children, trim it down. And it's a simple reason. And we should be sensitive to that. That's the other, that the other side that I'm not just happy about with our youth. Walking Lopolo. So I asked that my son. I said, if you are not careful, I have military men around me. One day they were arrested. I didn't even know that they have questioned him. I said, one day they will arrest you. He said, they have even stopped me. He said, when they asked me, I said, I'm your son. He said, no, you mean you are the son of that person? No. I said, can you see your life outside? Can you see your life? So even the unbeliever knows themselves. 
The man wasn't saying that because he was a pastor. He just knew that a child of a pastor, I mean, he wasn't my biological child, yeah, but I've always been telling my biological children also. The way you dress is the way you'll be addressed. It's as simple as that. If you have this, the, 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 the look of a Yahoo boy, of course they will call you a Yahoo boy. It's as simple as that. If you have the look of, of, of forgive me, I have to mention names. If you have the look of T.B. Joshua, they will call you an occultic pastor. It's as simple as that. So if you grow beard like T.B. Joshua and they start, you know, relating to you as they related to him, don't blame anybody. You brought it upon yourself. Praise the name of Jesus. And if I can just add this to it, let me add this to it. If you belong to my order and you are behaving like that, you are out of order. Because, because I didn't get there, but because it's just because I didn't want to, I didn't want to blow that area. When you belong to a spiritual order, you follow that order. You follow that order. Even Jesus couldn't operate without following a particular order. For you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. You must follow the order you belong to. There are spiritual lineages. If you are in my spiritual lineage, you follow the order. So that you are not a bastard. You have made me enter past 12. Hallelujah. No more question. One more question. Just one. No more. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> one more question. If there is none. Okay. 